tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Good morning. Good morning. Ooh, I can hear the echo. It's my joy to be here with you today. I am just thrilled that uh, Pastor Mike and Pastor Justin include me in some of the stuff over here, and I, every time I get a chance to come, I'm just delighted to be here with you. Um, I have been over at uh, the church in Los Alamitos since 1992, I believe it is. When I went there, they had a handful, and we've gone up, and with COVID, we then we went back to a handful again. <laughs> and our uh, meeting with Pastor Justin was just so much of the Lord. It just... Uh, when, when he first called me and we got together and talked about uh, them having a place to worship there, I think they had just doubled the uh, cost of worshiping over at the Cypress uh, Center there. And that, so Justin was looking for a place more economical. And so when we first met, we didn't, after the meeting, we didn't think we could pull it off. But I also have a Thai church that meets there, and I have a Korean church. I had a church group that made, met on Sunday nights, and our church was meeting in the mornings. And we have a daycare that runs about 65 kids during the week, and so we, we just, just just didn't see how it would fit, and the Lord kept working, and Justin called me back a couple of weeks later, and I said, well, glad you called because the Lord's been working on me to call you, so I didn't have to make the call, saved a dime, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> but the Lord's just worked it out, and we have such a great time together. Justin and I teach a Bible study on Wednesday nights, and he teaches one week, and I teach the next week, and we're going through the same material, of course. And now I'm going through the same material that you guys are going through. We went through First John, First, Second, Third John together, and uh, so now I'm going into doing the Psalms with you guys. It's just been wonderful. So we're going to be in Psalms 122 this morning. I'm going to use three of the verses out of Psalms 122, and then I'm going to connect some other stuff to it. As I, as I see that it relates or saw as I was studying. So I've titled my message, Joy in the House of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Joy in the House of the Lord. Um, like me, you may have heard that the church attendance has been declining over the last several years. Uh, this, this psalm before us this morning contains one of the great expressions of how our heart should be when it comes to worshiping with fellow believers. And at first... Uh, Starts out with, uh, you know, David saying, uh, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So I see that as drawing our attention to an emotion, being emotionally excited about worshiping God, about getting the opportunity. I was listening to uh, David Jeremiah one day, and he said, I had a drug problem when I was a child. My, fa- my mother and father drugged me to church. I said... <laughs> I said, well, I didn't have that problem, but <laughs> I got tickled at him saying that. Um, so emotionally excited. You know, I see in David, he was excited when he said it was time to go into the house of the Lord. And of course, in the Old Testament, the house of the Lord was designed differently than we see it today. They had the temple and they had the tabernacle. And so they, they never really went into the inner portion. The priests and only the high priest got to go into the Holy of Holies, which is the very, very holiest place in the uh, tabernacle and the temple. But they would go into that outer court and they would worship. And so I'm going to 
ties some New Testament verses to the Old Testament verse there where it says he was glad to go into the house of the Lord. And the first thing I noticed was this. Jesus said that the house was to be a house of prayer. Mark, Mark verse 11 and verse 17 says this. Then he taught saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. That tells us what was going on in the time of Jesus, what he was seeing from the priesthood. They were the leaders of this, and they had literally made it a den of thieves. When people came to Jerusalem for the various uh, times that when they bring come to do their uh, their past, you know, do their uh, sacrifices, the, the Jewish leadership, uh, that means the high priest and all of those who were in charge, had set up a money exchange thing. And if you had to come and you could come and purchase a, a sacrifice, but you had to do so with Jewish currency. And in the process of changing whatever money you brought with you over into the Jewish currency so you could purchase the acceptable sacrifice, guess who was getting cheated on the deal? They, those who brought their money were not getting a fair exchange for it. And that's why Jesus called it a den of thieves. They were stealing from those who came to worship of all things. I remember growing, as I grew up in, in the Baptist church, and I, every now and then I would hear someone say when they were invited to church, all the church is interested in is your money. Well, I like to tell my people, we don't care about your money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I remember when, he, when Corey Ten Boom was alive, she said, at one time she was praying, she said, Lord, I know you have the cattle on a thousand hills. They belong to you but you're going to have to sell one because I need some money. <laughs> I heard someone say one time, when you need money, not much else works. <laughs> but we have a God who is in charge of everything. And he owns it all. He owns it all. And he loans it to us and wants us to be good stewards of it. And so Jesus said, you aren't being very good stewards. You're being thieves and you're stealing. And God doesn't approve of that at all does not approve of that. The second thing I see in this emotional excitement is church can and should be an uplifting experience. Amen? It should be an uplifting experience. Um, I told my congregation when I used to pastor the First Baptist Church of, of Cyprus years ago, and I, I, my kids used to come here and roller skate before this was a church. I think it's come to a better purpose, believe me. <laughs> As far as my skating ability, I never really had it. But um, church is an uplifting experience. Notice what 2 Samuel verse 6 through 14 says. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. Um, I have never danced in church. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Baptists are sort of against dancing, or at least they have been down through the ages. Um, and I know the Baptist church where I was first baptized, um, and I, I, I went there because I kind of got, gotten involved with a young lady, and her dad was a deacon at that church, one of the most godly men I ever knew. I still remember him as the pastor was preaching on the death of Jesus, standing, he was, he was a row in front of me, weeping uncontrollably, as he thought about what Jesus did on that cross for us. Ugh. Well, dancing uh, we never did do, 
But it's all right to be excited. And, and I, I've been to a Pentecostal church where the pastor would run circles around the pulpit and things of that nature. One of my good friends, his dad was a deacon at the Assembly of God Church. And I learned a little more about being charismatic. Uh, and it's okay to be, have some charisma when you come to church. And I like it when we stand up and clap and we sing and we enjoy the fellowship of that joy that comes from just being in the house of worship. So church can and should be an uplifting experience. I know that not everybody who comes to church is in a worshipful mood, but you can get that way if everything, if the music is good and it's been tremendous here and the messages from the Lord, the Lord speak to your heart and the Lord wants you to be excited about him excited about your life in him and excited about where we get to go. I did a memorial service yesterday for a man who insisted that when we do, when his, his wife and family have his memorial service, that we preach the gospel. And so I did. And at the end of that service yesterday, I gave the call to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I think that's what it's all about. There are two purposes of the church. Save the lost and grow the saved. Save the lost and grow the saved. Amen? Third thing I see here under this emotional excitement is coming together for worship is attended by our God. Matthew 18, 20 says this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. That, that's God telling us that when we come together like this, it's a special thing for him and for us. And he does something in our hearts and in our lives that he doesn't do at other times. Now, he's always with us. Amen? The Lord said, I'll never leave you. I will not forsake you. But when we come together as he has called us to come together and worship in a corporate sense, he does something marvelous in our lives. He does something in my life. I always get something during the message that I didn't get as I studied during the week. I'm going to get something in this message that I didn't study, and I'm also going to get something in the message I preached in the next session that I didn't get. That's just the way our God is. That's the way he is. That's who he is. So coming together to worship is attended by God. He's here in the special way. And I can preach the message and 10 different people talk to me after the sermon and say, I got this or I got that. And I say, well, I don't know where you got that from, but it, <laughs> but it was from the Lord. Here's what I know about preaching. I get it and you get it the same way. The Holy Spirit either gives it to us or he doesn't. And that's it. And, and then I listen to other preachers too. One of my favorites is Adrian Rogers. Um, he pastored the first, or the, Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I had the joy of being in that church uh, when I was back there for school for the Marine Corps. They sent us to Navy schools, and so I went there. But God is just, you know, he gives me things from other people. Everything I, got, I have, I got some from someone else, mostly from God, I pray. But I... I I learned one thing from listening to Jess Moody a number of years ago. He said, all study and no plagiarism makes Jess a dull preacher. <laughs> all study and no, no plagiarism makes Mike a dull preacher. And that's just the way it is.
Second thing, discernment expounded. Psalm 122 verse 5 said, For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Church is a place where you get some instruction. Some instruction. Notice what it says, thrones are set there for judgment. Um, the word is proclaimed and error is exposed. 2 Timothy 4.2 says this, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. One of the great things I like about God is the fact that he is long-suffering. I tell you for certain he has been long-suffering with me. No doubt about it. I have not always been, and there's going to be some times in my future when I'm not what I should be. But God's love is long-suffering. His grace and his mercy is there for us all the time. He's always looking for us to give him an opportunity to do some good in our life. And if we do, he will. Amen? Uh, every now and then I hear someone say, Oh, Lord, give us an opportunity to reach out to someone, to tell someone about Jesus. I said, look around. There are opportunities everywhere. If you're asking for an opportunity, open your eyes. God's got them all over the place. Got them all over the place. So the word is proclaimed and error is exposed. You know, Timothy was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Ephesus. That's why I always say it. Anyway, he was left there in Ephesus to pastor that. And you know, Ephesus was a mess. Had the temple of the goddess Diana was there. And they shouted at one point when in the book of Acts, for two solid hours, great is the goddess Diana. Um, the problem with gods, apart from our God, is that they have no animation. And in the Old Testament, God mocked them when he said they take a piece of wood and they create a God and worship it and they take the other half of the wood and burn it and keep warm by it in the fire. It just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? does not make any sense at all. Adrian Rogers, I was listening to a message by him the other day, and he said, if gold is your God, greed is your creed. I said, there it is. There it is. So the word is proclaimed and the error is exposed. Uh, and so, Second Timothy, Paul told Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to preach the word of God. You never know when the opportunity is going to be there. Be looking for one because God brings them to us all the time. Second thing, the cost of our salvation is expressed. First Corinthians one twenty-three. notice what Paul had to say. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. It is still that way to the Jews today. Now, I pray for Israel all the time because they are, they are the focal point of the world, always going to be the focal point. In fact, the Bible says that there's going to be a, the new Jerusalem coming down. That's where it's going to be. That's where it is going to be. And so I think about them, and I understand they reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. One of my favorite radio and TV well, radio personalities all, loves Christians, um, but he's a Jew. He's Jewish. Smart man, smart man, but he, he doesn't accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He, I, I don't understand. His name is Dennis Prager. probably heard him on, 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 on the radio. 
Very brilliant fellow. But I like the fact that he loves Christians. And that means the door's open. And I pray that someday soon he will come to know Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. Because Jesus is the only Christ that's going to be. He's it. There are no others. Now, he said there's going to be a lot of false Christ, a lot of people like that, but there's only one real deal, and that's Jesus Christ our Lord. So the cost of our salvation, Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. Without the crucifixion, without the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no hope possible. But Hebrews tells us that there is hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, almost all things are cleansed, the shedding of blood. It had to be innocent blood. The Old Testament was all about pointing toward the innocent blood of Christ. And now Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The Jews are going to build a new temple in the last days. And it's going to be just like the one that existed after the crucifixion of Christ and was destroyed in 70 AD when Titus came through and leveled Jerusalem and almost all of the temple except for the Wailing Wall. But that they were worshiping in the wrong way. The sacrifice was over. Jesus completed it. He completed it. Rest is promised and fulfilled in Jesus. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight with me. It says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me tell you, if you don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you are laden and heavy laden. You are heavy laden and you need the rest that only God provides through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, bring it to me, bring it all to me, and I'll take care of it with you. I'll help you through it. I will guide your life and it'll, it'll adhere to the word of God. And that's where we get our rest, amen? That's where we get our rest. We get our strength and our rest from Jesus Christ. I, uh, I, have a, I wear a CPAP at night. I got this little mask that goes on me. I have what they call sleep apnea. When you, uh, when you, in, in 1970, I, was, I spent the year in Vietnam, and as a result of Agent Orange, in 2018, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And a lot of weird things go along with that, and some people get some of this, and some people get a lot of uh, some other stuff, but... Over the course of it, I, got, I wound up with sleep apnea. And so they have this device that I put on at night. But it tells me how much sleep I got and how much I didn't get and how many episodes I had during the night. I, I look at it every day and I think, I don't remember any of that. I slept good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I get a good night's rest because God gives it to me. God gives it to me. Third thing, good expanded. Psalm 122 verse 9 says this, Because the house of the Lord our God, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. I will seek your good. Our perception is sharpened. You, you could probably quote to me from this next verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together to good, uh, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I'm telling you, that really stretches me because I see a lot of stuff in this world going on, and I say, well, it's not good. Well, that passage doesn't say it's all good. It says it takes all good and works it together. Somehow God gets good out of it. 
not even as bad. He says, I, I, all things God can get good out of if we will let him, if we would just let him. So had to read that a few more times. We know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. But God somehow, it's, like, it's almost like he's playing 3D chess with the world at a deeper level than I can ever understand. Uh, my, my wife's grandfather was a pastor. In fact, he was a chaplain during World War II, and he used to, I used to play chess with him every now and then. And on occasion, slim occasion, I would beat him. Um, how many of you play chess? Anybody play chess? There's a chess game that you start, and in three moves you can win the game. And I pulled that on him. And he said, I can't believe you did that to me. It's as though that was taboo, something I couldn't touch. I was surprised that he didn't catch it. It's a brilliant man. But our perception is sharpened by God in, in the worship experience. He helps us understand the world that we live in better, and he helps us know how to understand his word. His Holy Spirit works in our heart and our life. You know, when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to abide in us, abide in us. Jesus told his disciples to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And boy, when that happened, there was an explosion of salvation. 3,000 on one day at Peter's preaching. Mind-boggling when we think about it. Our mission is clarified. Um, now, I know the Great Commission in Matthew. I like that section, but I prefer this section in John 20, verse 21. Notice what it says. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I like that. We are sent out just exactly like Jesus was sent out, he says. He says, so send I you. In fact, there's a hymn that we sing with that title, so send I you. And so when I think about this, I think about our mission is clarified. We are to be his disciples, his ambassadors to a lost and dying world. You know that more, there are more people in our world that are dying without Jesus. You know, John 3.16 talks about perishing. We live in the land of perishing people. My, my church building is the same as this church building. More people will pass by these, these buildings, these churches, in a, a single day than probably will be see, we'll see saved in a year. It's, it's, it's just a mind-boggling, isn't it? So many people, so many people. Our mission is clarified. I, I, I've enjoyed going to two missions overseas. I went to the Philippines for about 10 days with about 25, 30 other people. You will not believe where they put us up. This will shock you. We were put up in a bordello. And <laughs> we took over half of it. So that means they didn't quit business while we were there. <laughs> but, I, and you know, we were kind of shocked at the beginning of it, but turned out that we were able to lead 21 people from that bordello to come to Jesus Christ during the course of those 10 days. And we were able to see 
about 2,300 souls over the course of 10 days that were come to know Jesus Christ. And we used the swimming pool at the bordello to baptize 600 of them. So it was a strange setup, but we, the Lord turned it around. And then I went to Indonesia for a 30-day, about a 10-day experience. You know, in Indonesia, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country that there is. And you can't witness on the street unless they ask you. You can't just walk up to someone and tell them about Jesus. If they ask you, then that's okay. And one of the people that we thought was saved had a store. I don't remember what he sold in it, but there was a fellow that came in. And so we were in there looking at the store and visiting with this guy. And so we said, we can't witness to him, so we'll witness to the guy that owns the store because we thought he was saved. Well, it turned out, the next night, he came forward and was saved. I don't know what happened to the guy that we were witnessing to that day, but we were witnessing through, trying to witness through the store owner to that guy, and the store owner got saved. The Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Amen? Amen. He certainly does. So our mission is clarified there. We are to reach out to the lost of our world. And the last thing, our place of comfort is established. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says this, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's forever. Now, I've added a verse that's not in in there, but I wanted to read this one to you too, because I like it. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as it is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. That's Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. That's our encouragement to come together, and we need it more and more the closer we get to the second coming of Christ. Did you notice that Jesus dealt with demons? Demonic activity increased when Jesus was on mission. He's going to come again, and demonic activity is going to increase again, I believe. Be prepared. Be prepared. My conclusion is this. The Bible never says that we must go to church to to be a Christian. That is, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. However, God's Word leads us to the conclusion that we need what the corporate worship experience provides. We need it. We are created that way. Our Lord and Savior never leaves us, but he does something very special when we come together in worship. Amen? Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we are so thankful for all of the love that you show to us. We thank you for the corporate worship experience. We thank you that it's an exciting place, Father. We thank you, Father, that you meet with us here and you do something in our hearts and in our lives that doesn't happen in any other way, in any other place. But we also recognize, Father, that it's all focused on those two areas that you're concerned about, saving the lost and growing the saved. And Father, this morning, as I look at our audience here, and I, and I don't know the hearts of everybody, but Lord, it's possible, it's always possible that there's some who never have trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, And I know this goes out over the internet also, like our service does. If you're listening to my 
voice this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now, right where you sit, right where you are if you're listening on over the internet. If you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, recognizing that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Father in heaven, I know that I'm a sinner. Right now, I want Jesus to come into my heart and my life, forgiving me of my sin and saving me, and I will serve you in Jesus' name. Father, touch our hearts, move among us, reach out through us to touch hearts, to know better your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his holy name and his, for his sake alone that I pray. Amen.